Hello, this is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, and I'm coming to you from an absolutely charming home that I did not know existed. It is tucked away at the end of Hamilton Street. The walls are covered with the most beautiful artwork. We have winter scenes, summer scenes, just beautifully done. They were made by Andrea Ebert, and we're here to interview her husband of 75 years, Albert Willard Ebert, who on June 26 is going to turn 98. So thank you for having us in your beautiful home. Hi, this is Albert Willard Ebert. (laughs) Uh, I was born in Cohoes, New York in 1920 at 118 Saratoga Avenue, north side Cohoes. We lived uh, there with my grandparents for three years. In three years, we moved to what was known as Rose Hill. The local people in Gilderland here would know it as Dr. Lee's house. And while at the house, uh, I, I, uh, I was able to see them pour the first concrete road on Route 20. Before that, it was McAdam. McAdam, not Blacktop. And uh, we, we lived there. I lived there for three years and moved up to a farm my father bought on Hamilton Street. He, uh, a dairy farm. He raised cows and a few other chickens, a pig for meat generally. But uh, uh, the the way it was situated, the person who had it before had sold off uh roadway which became Hamilton Street and this this was separated from the farm so we had to drive the cattle from the barns up to the pasture in the morning bring them down in the evening to milk them take them back at night and then bring them down in the morning again so this street became known as pardon my expression cow flop boulevard (laughs) (laughs) and the laughter you hear in the background i'm just going to let people know who else is here listening to this wonderful rendition of albert's life we have his wife andrea and then his two daughters bonnie and cheryl and his granddaughter jennifer so that's the the laughter chorus of laughter you're hearing on cow flop lane go ahead Let's see. Where, where was okay. Well, we don't need to be on script. I would love to just back uh, on, up. Uh, as oh. far as my education, I graduated <laughs> from Aldermont High School in the largest class they had, had at that time in 1938. 33 people. That was the largest. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. 
I would just love to ask you some questions on what you've told us so far. I do remember Dr. Lee at Rose Hill, and for the newer listeners, that's right across from the Gilderland Library, a beautiful old house that sits up on a hill overlooking Route 20. And what what was your family doing there? What? How did you end up living there? Uh, the, the house belonged to a local, another local doctor, and my father rented it. He rented it for twelve dollars a month, if you can imagine that. Oh my uh, gosh! And uh, at that point, on the, at that place, he w- was in the truck gardening business, and he got a chance to buy the farm, and, and then he started. Uh, a retail milk route, which I became part of as I got when I got a license to drive. So, <laughs> just to back up a little too more on the Rose Hill, you said you helped pave what's now Route Twenty, the Great Western Turnpike. What was the traffic like in those days? What what kind of travel was there on that road? If if two cars happened to meet in different direction, one of them had to pull off to let the other one pass. Oh, my this, gosh. Uh, it was that, uh, that busy. And now you made a point, and this will show my ignorance, of saying it wasn't blacktop, it was macadam. Can you just tell us what that is, what the difference there is? Uh, the difference is, is the... Uh, uh, I'm trying to think what, what to call it. It was that they had the right-of-way... A company has a right of uh, right away to to, and they have to play pay a, a, a penalty for each ton of macadam they use. Blacktop they don't. I see. It's the same same mixture. I see. But uh, not uh, not controlled by some company. Well, that must have been very hard work, I would think. What like what was your particular role? What job did you do in in laying that down? On on what? On the putting the macadam onto the uh, road. No, no, no. I was only 5 years oh, old. Okay. <laughs> they, they, I misunderstood they you. Hire no. Me. <laughs> you watched it being done, I see. So, you were just uh, a child then when you moved to this very area, the Hamilton Street area. Correct. And how has it changed over the years? Um, It's now a a four-lane highway, and uh, they they don't uh, put the highway down the way they did then. Then they... uh, they brought the concrete mixer out, dump gravel and cement, and mixed the, the mixture, dumped it, and then moved it ahead. There wasn't what we call concrete trucks that draw the concrete already mixed. It was was a, a, a different. Uh, arrangement. So you told us about graduating from Altamont High School, and high school graduation was sort of rare in those days. Tell us about your early schooling. Where did you go to school before you went to Altamont? Uh, There's a schoolhouse on Willow Street, one street east of Hamilton Street, and this schoolhouse, their backyard was right in our backyard. Mm -hmm. So, so you went to school there. I went to school there. I came home for lunch every day. Uh, and there, there was no skipping school because the teacher could look right over in the yard and see if you you, you were able to come and didn't. Yeah. Uh, now, now that building became the town hall, and it's now a police it's, barracks. Yes, yeah. it's now the police barracks. Uh, there's a little 
the, my second year in grade school uh, on a Saturday. My uh, grandfather and grandmother and uncle came out and they were going to the Aldermont Fair. Oh boy, let's go to the fair. <laughs> so they took me to the fair. Now, I was not watching the automobile races. I was walking down the aisle between the concessions. And a race car came through the fence under the concession and hit 11 of us there. Oh, my goodness. I got a a broken pelvis, broken left leg, and I was in a cast for, for six weeks. And in in bed constantly all the while, and I had a good uh, good doctor, good nurse because my mother was a nurse. Oh. And, uh, I guess I was in the hospital probably two weeks, and then they sent me home for my mother to take care of me. And uh, I uh, I didn't go to school. That whole year, and for for quite a while in school, I wondered why am I one year older than everybody? <laughs> and of course, it was because I I was out for the whole year. Gosh, that from, sounds like a terrible accident, but you you recovered fully. Yes, yeah. So it, uh, it, it did leave me with my left leg a little shorter than my other leg, but uh, bones shifted. And it it never bothered me anything. Did you ever go back to the Altamont Fair again? Every day, and I, I, I whenever there's a, a automobile race that I can get to, I get to it. Oh my goodness! Well, so that school that you went to was quite substantial. It's not a little wooden one room schoolhouse. It's a brick. It has two classrooms, does it? Yes. Yeah. Two. And so you had a mixture of grades in one classroom. You it, did. Yes. And what was it like learning like that? Um, well, you, 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 you listened to the grade ahead, and lots of times there were children that uh, t- took t- took the grade ahead when when the exams came up. And uh, I had a, a buddy in uh, high school that uh, went to a school like this and he uh, he ended up graduating from high school 15 years of age. Oh, so he was smart. <laughs> well, he could take these other classes yeah. that come along. So what was it like going to Altamont High School? It's quite a trip from here. How did you get there? There were no school buses oh, in that day. Oh, there were school buses. Oh, there yes, were. We oh. had school buses. Okay. We, we had a special bus here from the village, the the district went down to the city line, and there was a eight o'clock bus out of Albany that went to Aldermont, and that would pick the students up from McGowanville and Westmere and the lower part of Gilderland. At twenty minutes after eight, they would drive a bus out of the the, the bus garage was right at the end of uh, Willow Street. Actually, the corner of Route 20 and uh, Foundry Road there. And uh, 20 after 8, they drove the bus out, and uh, all the kids from the from the village right here, we would get on, on that bus and get up to Aldermont just ahead of the regular 8 o'clock bus out of Albany. Okay. And, uh, 
of course, it was a mad scramble to get into school. And uh, uh, most of our classes were on the second floor. And on, on the halfway up, the stairway turned and reversed and came back to get up that way. And at this point, there's a lot of uh, uh, hooks that you hang clothes on on this landing where you turn. And this was our place where we stored our lunches. That's we an important no, place. <laughs> uh, no cafeteria. We ate in uh, in in uh, study hall upstairs. Always. So you were in high school in the depth of the Great Depression. What was that like? How did your family fare during those difficult times in the 1930s? Uh, well, don't, don't don't forget we're producing part of our own food worth, and par, yeah. part of the food that we want and uh, supplying it to the village and uh, uh, my my father never he would trust anybody and he never got held up by any of the people the people when they weren't working they just didn't pay and when they got got a job or something they paid and he uh, always prided himself that he uh, never had anybody on the milk route hold him up he he always got paid for eventually well he sounds like a good man so yeah. did you have a favorite subject in school or something that you particularly enjoyed Ma- studying mainly uh, mainly chemistry Chemistry, and after after high school, I had two years of uh, of college with a college that's not in existence now. It was known as New York Diesel Institute. I went two years. I was getting ready to graduate. The college went bankrupt. Oh. I never got a certificate. Yet, as I went from job to job, which I'll tell you about later, uh, I never had anybody question them. If I told them I had two years of college, they they believed me. And so did you use that training in diesel? Is that what you pursued? I, I did follow it, uh, but never in the mechanical or engineering end, just that I worked at places that were using diesel. Uh, my first job was for John Deere, and uh, uh, they they had two two series of diesel tractors, and they always sent me. They put me to work uh, picking parts, and uh, but whenever they sent a diesel out uh, on a job or anything to sell, they'd always send me, and as a boss used to say, you can get them started. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Starting's important. Well, I want to go a little to the personal side. When did Andrea come into your life? How did how did the two of you meet? Uh, my, uh, my brother-in-law was from Voorheesville, and uh, uh, I had a car. In fact, I had a car before I could get a license. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of a car? A Model A. Um, Model A Fords were the thing then. Everybody had a Model A Ford. And uh, 
I, I'm over at my brother-in-law's parents' house, and I happen to, I'm, I'm a nice sunny summer day like today is, and I happen to go over to the window, and next door, here is a beautiful girl paying hopscotch out on the front walk. <laughs> I said, I'm going to take her out. The the kids that were there with me and like that, they said, they're not going to let her go out with you. I married her a couple of years, and three years later, I married her. And you've been married for 75 years. Yes. I salute you. That's incredible. So what is the secret to a long marriage? Whatever the wife wants, <laughs> go to go along with. <laughs> I guess that's the secret. So I'm the house that I described at the opening. You told me that you had built yourself. At what point did you and Andrea move here, and how how did you go about building uh, this? And uh, we moved here in uh, 1956. We. Uh, weren't quite completed with the house, but we wanted to get in by September so that the girls could uh, go to this school. And this, I mentioned the girls. We, we have three girls. Ella May, our oldest, Cheryl, who, who lives uh, up at Sacandaga right now, and uh, uh, Cheryl who lives uh, up in uh, in Maine in a town by the name of uh, well just just south of Bangor and Bonnie Lynn our youngest who is up in Eastburn So what was it like raising three daughters Hectic <laughs> Hectic you, you have no idea how hectic it was with three girls around and at one time, the three of them were all, all here. They, they, uh, they, they, they are seven and six years apart, so they were spread out pretty well. So, what you must have done more than Diesel if you knew how to build a house. How, how did you learn those skills? Well, on the on the on the farm, and uh, you, you you pick up these. Traits by uh, by just assuming them, you it got to be done, and you do them. Well, that's a good way to learn. But you to it's one thing to learn, but another thing to actually build. Did you have like blueprints, or did you sketch oh, yes, out? Yes, yes, uh, yeah. It was a blueprint out of a out of a trade magazine that it it was it's known. It's a split level. It split. Front to back, not front, to, not side to side like most front level do, because they they utilize the, the 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 one split over a garage generally, where this here is just split front to back. The garage is under the kitchen. 
Well, it's the layout from here is just charming. We're sitting in the living room, and it opens into a dining area, and I'm assuming there's a kitchen on the far side, and then there's a stairway that you can see leads to, and part of the charm is just the decoration, which I'm assuming is Andrea. Um, but there's just beautiful wallpaper and cabinets filled with dolls, and everywhere you look are, are things that seem very, very special. So was this a very nice home to come home to all these years? Yes, it always was. It always was a nice, always a happy, happy place, too. So We don't allow any unhappiness. <laughs> well, that's hard to keep out. So you mentioned your very first job. Tell us about some of your other jobs that followed from that. Well, I, I, I stayed with... With Diesel and the company and like that. I uh, went from John Deere. They went on strike. And uh, I went to work for a bus company which ran out Route 20, Albany to Schenectady. Uh, diesel buses. I mean, uh, I never got to work on them. I got to drive them. That was all. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I drove bus. Uh, and this company eventually took over Schenectady Transportation. They went bankrupt, and uh, Brownell was uh, the company here, and uh, he took over the biggest part of Schenectady when when they went out. I, I drove bus for uh, five years. Then, then I put my carpenter to work. I uh, worked for Montgomery Ward up in Menands. Uh, I, I changed jobs, someone might say, oh, he couldn't keep a job. It wasn't I couldn't <laughs> keep a job. And every time I, I changed jobs, I can look back and I can say I moved up. And like that, I, uh, from Montgomery Wards, I... Uh, I went with the Railway Express, driving uh, what we refer to as doubles over the road, and uh, I. I a doubles are two tractor trailers. Two, two, two tractor trailers put together. Two trailers, trailers on, on one tractor. Okay. Yes, and uh, that that was uh, uh, the, it, that is a telling job hooking these things up, and I I had. Uh, Help always up at the terminal in Albany here, and we run the run the throughway. And uh, the first routes I had, I went to Malone in the winter, way north and in the snow you, country. You went all the way up to Rouse's Point at the border, and then turned west and uh, really went through snow. I bet. And uh, I. Uh, here here we are with diesels again, diesel trucks. Here, once in a while, I got to do something because they they stopped on the road. Mm. Uh, I, I uh, went from Railway Express to Otis Elevator. Uh, one re- reason I went with Otis, uh, my, uh, my uncle was an elevator man, and uh, I don't know whether many of you are acquainted with 
with the elevator. Now, now we're not talking about running the elevator. We're talking about installing them and keeping them running, and like that. I had a, I had a route that included uh, the South Mall uh, parts. Are we, we were available for the Al Smith Building? That was handy, and the, the tower. The tower was separate in this respect from. Uh, from the rest of them all, you've got the elevators that go down into the garage. You go over. I had uh, I had twenty six escalators. The the escalators in the museum. I I had and I thought and I stayed with there. In fact, I I uh, sort of pride myself. I come up to sixty. Five years old, ready to retire, and the boss comes down and says, "Can't you stay? We don't have anybody to replace you." <laughs> so I said, uh, "I will stay until my salary starts interfering with the uh, social security." That so I stayed until sixty, sixty-six. Uh, or in in uh, April, the next next salary I I drew, they would reduce my Social Security, and I thought so. I says, "Whoa, this is it." Mm-hmm. I'm out. So, so that I'm, was thirty odd years ago. Yeah, thirty two. Thirty two. Good math. <laughs> yeah. this, this this is a, an irony. I worked for Otis for twenty years, twenty calendar years. But I had 22 years in with the uh, overtime. Uh, This is a job where you're you're snuggled down in bed. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) It's snowing. The wind is blowing. It's 2 below zero at the time. And, hey... This elevator is stuck down at Queenland, so you got to go down to Queenland or down to Ravenna, or uh, 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 one that was always breaking down was Friar Tuck. If you know anyone knows where that, that there's a the town that Friar Tuck is in is Kiska Town. Oh my goodness! Well, I bet the people were so grateful though that were trapped in an elevator to have you there to rescue them. Were there any stories of people just having been in you know they, confined? They generally and, were. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, as you look back on all those years of work, do you have a favorite job or a favorite? Yes, yes, Which one? no, no question about it. I, I, uh, the the uh, elevator job was was the best job, and uh, I don't know if you know it or not uh, out there, but uh, an elevator mechanic is a second best job in the country. It's only exceeded by operating engineer. What makes it such a great job? You're on your own and you better be doing what you're supposed to. And the salary and the pension and everything is... I happen to be and I don't know why this was. I in this local, I I am the oldest person 
they ever hired at that age. They hired me at, at age 46, mm-hmm. and they like to get them right out of high school or, well, they have to have two years of college to get in the elevator business now anyway. So what about your retirement years? Because you've had over three decades. What have been some of your major accomplishments or happinesses there? Well, uh, a a strange thing there, uh, uh, I have all of my pensions and things go direct deposit, and I am getting more direct deposit than salary when I was working. That's a nice way to retire. (laughs) I I know that things have gone up because of inflation and like that, but it's still nice to have uh, a pension and income more than your salary when you were working at the top of the industry. Yeah, that's great. And uh, in, in our family... The uh, elevator business has always been uh, a part of it. My grandfather, back in the 1800s, he uh, he installed elevators for a company that made elevators in Cohoes, Cohorta Iron and Brass, it was known as. His son, my uncle, he, he, he was in the business. Then... You come along to my generation, there's me that was in it. My uh, son-in-law is in it. My grandson is in it now. And my great-grandson is is in the elevator business. It is fascinating how families and trades kind of intermingle. When you're mentioning some family history there, I wanted to ask you about, I think it was your cousin who had emailed me that your mother, Gertrude Frederick, um, had been related to the Frederick's you know, from Gilderland Center, where their historic yes. house still stands. Can you tell us any of that family history? Do you know any about the Fredericks? Well, well when you go me. back there, my my grandfather actually worked for Thomas Edison when in Schenectady, and he he's working there and doing very well, and he uh, he's going to quit. Well, they said to him, his name was. William Frederick, so they said, Bill, what what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, he said, I'm going out to French's Hollow, and I'm going to raise mushmelons. Well, he went out to French's Hollow. Now, he was from Gilderland Center, and the way up to to Gilderland Center from Gilderland used to be through French's Hollow, and there was a awful winding, twisting road on the other side of the the uh, Norman skill. Well, Grandpa went out there, and he had a plan in his mind, and he, he bought two farms. And I don't know if he ever raised marshmallows, but I know the following winter, and at the town meeting of Waterville, in Jen, in fe- February, it was in February. He went to the meeting, and they're, they're discussing where they're going to get water. They were getting water out of the Hudson, and didn't like it. 
and he was there, and he got up and he said, if you want water, I've got all the water you'll ever need. And he left. And of course, uh, you got the, who is that man? Well, two months later, they had bought the farms, and the, the Water Bleep Reservoir is now on those farms. Oh, my goodness. That's a great Gilderman story. Have you got any more of those up your sleeve? Uh, yeah, I, I got a story to tell you. Okay. They're, 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 uh, there was four of us fellows before... I looked out the window and seen that beautiful girl next door. They used to get together two or three nights a week and fool around. One of the things we did, you probably heard about it, uh, on a Halloween, we went around Aldemont and took all of the blinds we could get off the houses. I have heard about that. <laughs> and put them over the blinds in the being bar. shutters, yes. Yes, yep. Well, uh, here, here's another story that the four of us did. The, the, I, I don't know who started it. It wasn't me. <laughs> but we ended up on the west end of uh, Thompson's Lake. And one of the fellows had brought a, a tin uh, can for uh, coffee. In the bottom of the can, he poked a hole. And he put a string through it, and then put rosin on the string. Now, if you take and hold this can and pull this rosin, this sounds just like a bobcat. Oh, my gosh. So we're on the west end of the lake, and we're pulling this, and we're pulling this. And by and by, we begin to hear uh, people coming and talking and wondering, where is that? I thought, well, we better get out of here. So we got out of there, went down to the other end, went up to Camp Pinnacle. Now we did the same thing here. Pulling the string, making and, the bobcat screech. And the, the hunters, the, I got to assume these guys were hunters. They were looking for, where is this bobcat? And they've got to be two of them because the bobcat can't travel that far that quick. So... After after making a couple of passes like this, we we let the thing rest. Now, uh, you probably heard there's been bobcat up around East Burn and like that. I have heard that. Yeah, People well, call our paper uh, irregularly to say so. I uh, I was on my way in the elevator bit. I was on my way going down to Ravina. I know where I was going. I was going to a shutdown at Atlantic Cement. And I got my radio on, and I hear uh, uh, so, somebody, a monitor on the radio, uh, interviewing this woman. And she's telling how uh, she's from Eastburn, and she's telling how uh, the, the, the things were, like, like I'm telling now, uh, years ago. And she come out with a statement that her grandfather says there used to be bobcat up around here, but we never could locate them. And I got to think this this was the night of the bobcat. Yeah. <laughs> now here here's the bobcat. I'm the only one of the four left. I was going to ask if your compatriots were still so around. If you, uh, 
want to come after <laughs> after the bobcat here he is well I live up there. It was Warner's Lake, wasn't it? Mm. And I, I live right up there, and people up there still talk about the night there was a big big cat around the lake. <laughs> in case people can't hear in the background, this is Bonnie saying that she lives near Warner's Lake, and people are still talking about that bobcat. So you, you created a myth. Well, so... You are the only one left of these rabble-rousers. What do you attribute your long life to? What advice can you give people? Uh, I don't smoke, don't drink, and don't go, didn't go with the girls that did. (laughs) Those are pretty simple. Pretty simple pieces of advice. Our half hour went so fast, I sometimes miss the most important thing. Is there anything more that you want to share before we close out of our podcast? Well, uh, uh, I, I had the injury at the fair, and along about 20, 20 no, it would be 30 years later, uh, I had an injury on the farm that uh, 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 a piece of equipment broke and I happened to be between it and it got in my head and I was uh, unconscious for over a week, really, on and off. Oh, my gosh. Your family must have been so worried. This this prompted me to say to Pa, hey, this isn't a profitable business. Let's get out of it. And... Strangely enough, he had built the milk business up, and uh, where uh, originally, I, I dare say, I don't remember because I was a young kid, but I would say he had five or six cows in the beginning. In the end, we we were driving forty cows up and down the street to to be milked, and we had he had probably twenty others that we were raising to poured into and he 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 was tickled to death to, to get out of the business and he now now he went he started he went into carpenter work he he did carpenter work over at the Voorheesville depot and that kind of led the way for you to do carpentry work yeah well, thank you so much, and thank all of you. This has just been a wonderful visit, and I wish you a very, very happy... What are your plans for your birthday celebration? Well, uh, the, 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 the family uh, came last, uh, last Sunday. Oh, so you've had the celebration. Yes. You can yes. just relax on the 26th. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, very good, and happy birthday. Thank you.